good evening, good evening, good evening, everyone. Uh, welcome tonight to the Thursday night wisdom call and Bible study and prayer. I am Pastor Lester Hayes here with my lovely wife, Pastor Sharon Hayes, and we are your host tonight. We're uh, joined tonight by Pastor Eric and Phoebe Davis, more than Conference Warriors Christ Ministry and members of New Freedom Christian Ministry and more than Conquered Warriors Christ Ministry. And uh, we welcome our, our new guest tonight, uh, Sister Angie, uh, amen, our cousin there, Sister Margaret's daughter, amen, and she's joining us uh, for the, maybe not the first time, but hopefully not the last time. So we just welcome all of you tonight, amen, and amen. And so we're going to go ahead and get started tonight with our teaching. We thank the Lord uh, for a wonderful time this morning as we learn some things this morning about God's love and uh, it's so important that we as Christians understand God's plan of love how he delivers his love how he's required and we've been so fortunate and so blessed to be able to learn the revelations about God's love and actually we are proving to God by what we are learning about his love we're proving to him that we're born of God and that we know God, you know, because we love according to the scriptures, not according to my emotions and how I feel. There are two types of love that we talk about a lot. One is a agape type love, which is unconditional love that the father loved us with. And he also sent his spirit who produces the fruit of the spirit in us. And love is one of those fruit, the highest order of it. And it's shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost according to the book of Romans, chapter 5, verse 5. And so we have the capability given to us by God, shed abroad in our hearts, put in us by the Holy Spirit. And if we have the Spirit of God, then we have the love of God. He don't send His Spirit into our lives to live in us without love, you know, because He produces that, He activates that love in us. So we can love others. We can love our neighbors as we love ourselves. So we're going to learn a little bit about uh you know, about spirit, the spiritual love of God, not just love, you know. Uh, and uh, uh, one of the tests that we've been taking, we've had several in this text that we've been learning, talks about loving one another. That's the proof right there that we love God. That proves that we know God and we're born of God is how we love others. And we finished up with verse 7. We talked about the love, let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. And again, that proves that we are born of God and we know God. So, Father, we just thank you tonight as we open up your word again tonight to dig deeper. Uh, not only to dig deeper in your word, but allow your word to dig deeper into us and penetrate us and release some of those things in our core, in our innermost being that keep us from really walking and living in the love of God like you desire we have a desire for how we want to love but god we are praying that your word will penetrate deep in us and release any ill feeling any emotions feeling anything that we harbor hold on to that blocks the free flow of the love of god through us out into the world Lord god that we might love one another that it will flow freely and not from pressure or not from anxiety because we're christians and we feel we have to do it out of obligation but god it should be just a part of our spiritual dna of who we are because you put it there by the holy ghost shed it abroad in our hearts that we will be able to love one another uh, as we love you first and so we uh, went through uh regeneration we talked about that uh being able to be renewed that new birth out of uh not loving to into loving and being recipients of god's love you know through the new birth and then we talked about conversion, that transformation that a lot of times uh, we go through. And sometimes we get saved, and that's all we do. We just live saved. We work in the church. We go to church. We get baptized. We do all those things that a Christian ought to do. But we don't give ourselves opportunity for conversion. Being converted means I'm being made up from a natural man or a natural woman to becoming a spiritual man and a spiritual woman because when I deal with the Word of God, uh, it's like uh, it has to be spiritually discerned because the word of God, you know, it's an inspired word. So I've got to be able to spiritually discern the word of God. 
And this is why I have to be conformed from a natural thinker to a spiritual thinker. My mind has to be renewed, and I need the Holy Ghost to help me do that, the spirit of truth, to teach me all things. And so we talked about that. Sometimes people forget about the conversion. You know, it says repent of your sins and be converted, you know. Uh, and how we do that is what we're doing tonight. We're coming together on the Thursday night wisdom call. We gather every morning on, at 6 a.m. All this is a part of the conversion process, even though a lot of us have been converted to a certain level. A lot of us have been transformed in some areas. But we're constantly being uh, renewed in our mind, transformed, uh, transformed laid it into a new creature in Christ Jesus because God is building a new generation of believers because he's going to build a new heaven and a new earth and going to bring a new Jerusalem with him. And we have to be renewed in the things of God in order to spend eternity with him, which is a good thing for us. That's our, that's our destiny. You know, that's our eternal hope that when he shall appear, even though yet it does not appear what we're going to be and who we're going to be, but we know from the scripture that it does not yet appear what we shall be. But this one thing we do know, when he shall appear, we shall see him the way he is because we're going to be just like him. And so that's what this conversion and renewing and transformation process and regeneration is all about. It's, it's, it's helping us to get back to a spiritual individual because, let's face it, we were nothing but clay in creation until God brewed the blessed life in us. And his spirit came alive in us. You know, that's what that's what spirit is. It's breath, it's ruah. You know, it's living breath. And he blew that ruah in us and we became a living soul. Well, when we die, guess what? The body goes back to the earth from where it came and decays, turns back into dirt, soil like it was when God scooped it up. But our spirit goes back to the Father. Now, depending on what we have done while we lived in this body as a spirit and had a soul, will determine where I spend eternity and who I spend it with, you know. And so this is why we work out our salvation with fear and tremor and do until the end so that we may receive that crown of eternal life that awaits us, you know. And part of that is accepting the fact that God loves us so much that he gave his own God but God son and being born from above because except we be born again, we will never see the kingdom of God. That's what he told Nicodemus in the third chapter of the book of John. You know, you must be born again. So in the verse three through verse two, five, you must be born again or you cannot see the kingdom of God. He tells him that first because he wants to enlighten his eyes to what he sees. I mean, what he don't see. He was trying to change him from what he physically saw. And that's, that's part of the conversion. Seeing things that are laid out in the word that appear to us in, in like in a picture. We have to be able to see that vision. We have to be able to see that imagery, that what God is saying, because he speaks in signs and wonders and, and metaphors and types and symbols, always trying to paint what we call an earthly picture, but it also has a spiritual heavenly meaning. God Praise the Lord, everyone. Thank you and welcome. Welcome to Creating a Prayer Culture for God, Prayer Line Live Christian Podcast. We would like to send a special thank you to Anchor Podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcast, Castbox, Stitcher, Podbean, Audible player.fm podcast youtube and google podcast these are platforms in which you can join in and listen to the message as it goes forth we just want to thank god for allowing us to be able to share his good news uh, so please join us and now let us get back to the message god bless to relate to his people 
where they're at. And this is a good lesson for us that we have to meet people where they're at. There's a lot of unloved people out there. We have to meet them where they're at and show love. You know, God met us where we were at. He showed love and he drew us by loving kindness. So much more he's going to draw others through loving kindness. And sometimes he's going to do it through us who have been loved by the Father. And so we want to look at verse 8 tonight and pick up what we left off at this morning. Amen. Uh, he that loveth not knoweth not God, but God is love. And uh, this is in the book of First John chapter 4, verse 8 now. You know, we're on verse 8 now. And I want to preface what I'm going to talk about tonight uh, in verse 8 before I go to verse 9. Uh, Abraham, I was thinking about Abraham today, and I thought about Abraham, how he was willing to offer up his miraculous son, born, his miraculously born son, matter of fact, him and Sarah was pretty old. And Isaac, when God told him to do so, you know, uh, over in the book of Genesis, chapter 22, verse 1 through 19, the King James Bible, that's a lot of verses, I'm not going to go there, but I know a lot of you are very familiar with this passage. However, God did not have him to go through with killing his son. But it remained an important prophecy. It showed that Abraham was willing to prove and demonstrate by sharing his love to God by willing to do what God told him to do. It was more than just giving up a son because God could have gave him and Sarah another son, and he gave him lots more sons. But it was all about that miraculous thing that God promised him that he would do to make sure that Abraham's uh, 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 love was for God. You know, he, he sincerely loved God the Father. And he obeyed him, and because he did, God counted his righteousness to him and told him that, you know, he was going to be the father of many nations. And he didn't have an heir at the time. He had Ishmael, you know, that he impregnated Hagar and got him. Because that was say with concubine. That was not love, okay? That was them trying to help God out instead of waiting. And that's what a lot of people do sometimes. They come up with their ways of showing and proving their love to God, which don't it doesn't pass the test. It doesn't meet the bar. And Abraham and Sarah soon learned that. Made a big mistake. What it did was generated hate and division among Hagar and Sarah. And Abraham, you know, felt bad, you know, but he loved his son and he had to make some provision, but he had, he had to account for him. And so he had to go back to God and ask God what to do. And God told him what to do. He said, that's your heir. I'm going to bless him. But that's not the heir that I promised you. And so then along comes Isaac. God forgave him. And along comes Isaac, the promise. You know? And then here God say, okay, I want you to go and offer him to me. It was all about seeing this man, which was representing the whole na uh, uh, nation of faith. We're all faith people. We're Abraham heirs. We're heirs to the throne. We're heirs to the promise that God made Abraham because we serve God by faith. Faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word. That's why we still try to hear the word because we got to keep our faith coming, you know, because that's how we please God. So we got to hear more word. And so nevertheless, so Abraham now has got a dilemma here. He's got to either decide, my God, I waited all these years for this promise. But do I love this promise more than I love God? That was the test. That was the test. He that loveth not knoweth not God. But he loved God, so he knew God. And he knew that God is love. And he knew that God had loved him and proved to him that he loved him because he gave him a son. He gave him an heir just like he promised, even in old age. And this is a lot for Abraham. It's a lot for us sometimes to realize that love requires, requires sacrifice. Love requires us to do things for the poor, the needy, Love requires us to do things that sometimes we claim exemption because we feel like, you know, that God, you delivered me from that. Why are you having me to go back and, and try to do something about that? You know, that's why he loved us. He did something about us. He was out there living in sin. When the father told him to go, Jesus said, hey, you know, father, it's your will to drink that bitter cup. I would drink it. That's over in the book of Luke, around the last chapter when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and told the disciples to go over there and sleep and tarry one hour and pray. And they couldn't do that. They couldn't make a sacrifice for one hour to stay awake. And it's the same with a lot of church folk today. They say they love God, but 
the church attendance is sporadic. You can't get them to come to prayer. You can't get them to study the Bible. But they love God, and they want to go out here, man, and want God to fill up their bank account, want God to pay all their bills, want God to drop the gas prices down to 19 cents a gallon. They want God to kill the enemy. They want God to do a whole lot of stuff because he, he can do it. But what kind of sacrifices are we willing to, to sacrifice to prove to God that we are born of him and we know him? And he makes it very easy for us. Abraham was just a typical example of sometimes what it costs to prove and demonstrate our love to God. Thank God that we don't have to do that today. Offer up our children. You know, he didn't go through with it. But in place of it, when Abraham was getting ready to sacrifice his son, he was able to look in the distance. He was on Mount Moriah with his son, scrapped down, had all the, 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 the stuff that he was going to burn, set the fire and burn, took out the knife, and he began to wonder, because his son said, where is the sacrifice? Where is the lamb? Where Where, where is the, you know, where is it? He, it was hard for Abraham to say, you the sacrifice. You the sacrifice. It was sort of like, God, you know, if this be your will, let it be done. If not, take it away. Replace it. Give me somebody else. You know, that's his thinking at the time. Then he happens to look in the midst and he sees Golgotha in the spirit realm where Jesus Christ was going to be sacrificed years after that. And guess what he said? Jehovah Jireh, my provider. And when he said that, he turned and looked and there was a ram caught in the thicket. He took the ram because God had provided based on what he said. At the moment of sacrifice, he spoke a word, God will provide. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. He saw him in the spirit. And there he was able to turn and see him in the flesh. And he took the ram, released his son, and scrapped the ram down, gutted the ram, you know, and offered, put him, set the fire, offered that ram that was provided. You know, and see, that's the love of God all right there packaged in one package. Man, sacrifice bought the love of God, bought the sacrifice to replace his son. Proving to Abraham that went on to serve God for the rest of his days, that he was loved of God. And he loved God to prove it, you know. And so that's just a little tad bit about Abraham uh, and the type of God, the father, who offered, this is this is a type okay, of the God, the Father, who offered uh, up his miraculous son, uh, you know, Jesus Christ, to pay the penalty of for our sin. And that's over in the book of John, chapter 3, verse 16, the King James Bible. So what lesson are we to take from these two instances? Here God now proved to us that he loved us by offering his son. Now his son, miraculous son, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, not no human blood in him, came on Mary and, you know, she conceived. He did not keep from offering him. He offered him. He died. So, you know, he, he did it so that we wouldn't have to, you know, pay that price. What lesson is there to be learned here from these two similar miraculous acts of sacrificial love? And I emphasize sacrificial love because love requires some sacrifices. From a man of God who loved God and from a God who loved man and loved the world, and made a loving sacrifice of his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, Christ, the anointed one, to pay for our sin debt. Powerful stuff. Powerful stuff. Now, in verse 9, as we were going over this morning, it says, and this now, what, what I just told you, and there are other cases and examples in the Bible. We're going to touch on some of them before uh, long here as we continue to talk about love. And this was manifested the love of God toward us because God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. So this proves, as we said this morning, that we see God's love. Abraham saw Jesus was going to be crucified on God. God, but he saw it. It was right in the midst across the way from where he was at with his son. God's love is seen in one supreme act. And he sent his son, Jesus Christ. That was that supreme act by God of love. Sacrificial love, sacrificed his son. Almost what Abraham was required to do. And we said that, A, that was a spiritual love. The love of God toward us because.
because he sent his only begotten son is a spiritual type of love. You know, it rises to the top level of love. There are other types of love, but that spiritual love tops it all. You know, over in the book of First Corinthians, chapter uh, 13, verse 13, the King James Bible says, Now by the faith, hope, and charity, meaning love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. And that's proven to us by the scriptures that when we was in the book of uh, in the book of John, uh, we talked about John 3.16, powerful verse in the Bible, about love for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's in the book of John, chapter 3, verse 16. About Everybody knows the scripture. So let's drop down now and pick up where we're at tonight. Um, you know, uh, we want to look at uh, love, the spiritual love for God talked about the spiritual love of God. Now we're going to talk about the spiritual love for God, which we just saw two wonderful examples of that, you know, in the two opening examples. You know, we went over this morning, the spiritual love, love that spiritual of God, you know, because that's God's nature. Verse 8 told us that because God is a God of love. Now we want to look at love for God. That has to be spiritual too. You know, you can't have spiritual love of God and have a different kind of fleshy love for God. So spiritual love of God is supposed to be able to allow for to be birthed in us spiritual love for God. You know, love to get love. Let's just be honest with that. You sow in love, you reap in love. And so let's take a look at that. Over in the book of Matthew, chapter 22, verse 37, King James Bible. Now I want you to make this distinction now. Okay, you got... That spiritual love that's of God that uh, produces a spiritual love for God. Okay? And it says in the book of Matthew, chapter 22, verse 37, King James Bible, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God. How? With all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. Because these are the three areas now that complicate love for the individual. Especially when we get caught up in our feelings, in our emotions. You know, Pastor, you just don't know how they hurt me. Pastor, I did everything. I submitted. I surrendered. I did everything. I bought them this. I bought them that. And they had the nerve, Pastor, to hit me, give me a black eye, and told me they loved me. Mm-hmm. And some some wives will say that's why they hit them and gave them a black eye because they love them. What kind of love is that? That you beat up the person you love. The Lord didn't beat us up, even though he chastened those whom he loved. But he knows what's enough, how to chasten us enough, and it's all to get us to turn back to him. You know, because he knows what's good for us. But look at what he said. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. Heart because, you know, whatever a man thinketh in his heart, that's who he is. So if you think love in your heart, you'll love. And you'll be loved. The love, the love, we get love. The heart, the Bible says in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 17, verse 9 of King James Bible, is the most wicked organ in our body. That's where all your feelings and emotions and, you know, issues of life are formed in the heart. And out of the abundance of the heart, your, our mouth speaks. I don't care what you're feeling and, you know, what you're going through and all of that and how long you've been in church. If God's word is not hidden in your heart, there's a 100% chance we're going to sin against God. And we may sin against another person. We may sin against our health. We may sin against our wealth. We may sin against everything to include God. That's how desperately wicked the heart is. And he said, who knows it? Well, what per- who knows it? God knows it. That's why he singles it out right here. That's why he puts the heart up front because he knows out of the heart comes the issues of life. He knows that when we open our mouth, we're going to speak out of what we love in our heart. If we got the love of God in our heart, we're going to speak love. We're going to speak love to those who are without. We're going to speak love to our own self because you know, let me tell y'all something. I don't know about you, but I love me some me. Mm-hmm. Now that I'm saved, I can love me now. Mm-hmm. I didn't care nothing about me when I found out how messed up I was. I didn't like myself as no sinner. When I found out what a, how big a sinner I was, and I realized God hates sin, but he loved me, 
I had a hate fall out of love with that sin I was in. It, it was it was pleasurable. It made me feel good. But let me tell you something. It was killing me. That's right. And I needed the love of God to come in and minister to me and rescue me so I could learn to love myself as a saved sinner by grace. And so I'm telling you all right now, it don't matter what people say about you, how they treat you, what they think about you. You are loved by God because God is love. And if you know him and believe in him, you are loved by him. It may not feel like it sometimes, but God's love is unconditional. It's agape love. He don't give it and take it away. No, he loves the hell out of us. He loves the hate out of us. He loves the disagreement out of us, the anger, the frustration, the stress. You know, that's how powerful his love is. It covers a multitude of faults. You know, it's yet making an atonement for us through the blood of Jesus. So God's love is powerful. It's one of the most powerful emotions it is. It's real. It's genuine. And it does cover. It's not puffed up. It's not full of pride. It wants it's not itself. It's always giving and giving and giving more and more. Always. And it's just the fact that a lot of people are not familiar with that kind of love. So they think 12 dozen of roses and all that on Valentine's Day is love. It is. It's a lower level of love. That's called Felipe love. But see, unconditional love, God's love that's of God, generates a love for God. You know, it, it produces it, you know, because it's, it's sown in us, it's planted in us, it's in our hearts, you know, which is what he just said, in your heart and with our soul. This is why he came to seek and save the soul <clears throat> because that's where all the feelings and emotions and stresses and anxieties they're, they seem to hang out. They're resident in the soul, the soulish realm. That's what it is. It's where the hurts and the pain. Are. That's why Jesus said, I came to save the soul. You, save you from your feelings. Save you from your emotions. Save you from your stress, your anxiety, the craziness that go on in your life. You know, if you understand how we're made, we're made, we're, we're, we're spirit. We live in a body and we have a soul. We're three-dimensional people. Body, soul, and spirit. And God's got to deal with each one of them. When you die, he gets, the body goes back to the ground where it came. The spirit goes back to God from where it came. And here's the deal. Your soul now can live in eternity. You know why? The spirit of God now becomes the intellect of your soul because he's taught you how to get rid of your feelings, how to be free of your feelings. Because left alone, your feelings have no intellect. Your feelings can't comprehend or perceive nothing about God. This is why you need the Spirit of God to save your soul. So you can have an intellect that can that can do spiritual things that can please God through you and for you and help you keep that soulless realm under control. So the Spirit is actually the spiritual intellect of your soul. Where that knowledge and wisdom comes in and, and helps you to you know not give in to your feelings and your emotions convicts you if you try. Remind you of who you are in Christ if you try to go back. So remember that, that I need the Spirit of God in me because my without the Spirit of God, my soul is just as ignorant as my feelings and emotions. And so we see right there, he says, uh, with thy soul, once it's saved and converted, and with thy mind. Why my mind? Transformed and renewed in the things of God. You know, this is what we're doing right now. Our minds are being renewed and transformed into a different way of thinking. Why? It's because if I don't, I'm going to be double-minded. I'm going to be unstable in all my ways, as James said. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways over there in the book of James. You know, I'm loving over here one minute, and I'm hating over here another minute. After you don't know, they provoked me. They shouldn't have did that. They hurt my feelings. They got on my nerves. They made me angry, and I did sin, Pastor. I'm just happy that God forgive me. Y'all pray for me. See, that's that's that that's that soulless realm without intellect of the spirit. You just go with your feelings. You go with your own understanding. But see, when that mind becomes regulated and changed and renewed, 
and the things of God and you stop conforming to the things of the world but being transformed by the renewing of your mind and the word of the word of God, you stop thinking like the like the like the like the world. The world will tell you, hmm, I did the same thing, you just don't know. I probably would have took it to another level. You know, that's why you have to be very wise in who you receive counsel from. And sometimes it's your closest friends that prompting you to do it. I go with you. I go with you. I got your back. I, I, you know, I was there. I feel you. You know, me and you, me and you, dog, we ate two booms and all that crazy nonsense. And you're supposed to be in church Sunday singing in the choir. With all my mind, not some of my mind, but all my thoughts, all my mind, you know, our resurrection service this past uh, April talks about, you know, fixing our eyes on Jesus. And keeping them there, fixing is different than just looking, glancing. You know, James said, "Look in this perfect law of liberty, and continue therein. You're gonna have success and have good success." That's in the book of James, the first chapter, uh, you know, verses 25 to 27. So we see it right there. Jesus said, "Now we're talking about spiritual love for God. It has to be with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind. Those are the three troubling areas right there that get us in trouble." And they have to be sacrificed to God. And in the book of Romans, a lot of us love all of the word, but this is a, I won't say a familiar passage of scripture, but I'll say it is a very helpful passage of scripture, as all the scriptures are. It talks about love for God. And it says in the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 20 of the King James Bible, and when you read it and listen to it, you'll see why it's a lot of our favorites. It says, and we know that all things, not some things, all things work together for good to them that love God. <clears throat> you mean I can get a lot of stuff turned around and work that together for good? If I just love God, which I want to do, I should do, to them who are the cause, the cause now, according to his purpose. Not taking God and put God in your purpose, but you're called away from your purpose. I'm called with my purpose. We're called with our purpose, and we're called to God's purpose. Now, God's purpose is this. He's calling us to a relationship, Pastor Sharon, where we can work in the labor of love with God. You know, so he said the work I do, you're going to do. He didn't say he was going to stop working with you. Because he gives us the Holy Spirit, the paracletos, to come alongside of us as a helper to get the work done. You know, what's the work? The first order of work is working on our love for God so that we can love others as ourselves. It is not automatic. It's not easy. That's why it's got to be a work of love, a labor of love, learning to love God, learning to love uh, the people of God, learning to love my neighbors, myself, learning to love my enemies and praying for those who persecute me, do all manner of evil against me. It is not an automatic thing just because I got saved and got baptized and killed with Holy Ghost. I increased my chances of doing it, but there is always conversion in, in, in the loving relationship with God and all these other things that I'm supposed to have a relationship with. It's called conversion. I got to be converted from my understanding of love to God's understanding of love. And that lets me know right there, am I born of God? Do I know God? That proves it. And the first person has got to be proven to, as we often say, I have to be first to take her. I have to be first to take her, not in saying that I love God, but proving that I love God. Not in word only, but in deed. And a lot of time, um, it's it's not the deed that I choose to do; it's the deed that I sacrifice to do. Everybody like to eat the fat, pastor. Everybody like to just throw some money out there and go on about my ain't praying for. I I know what they want. You know, I tell people all the time: the best thing you can offer people is Jesus. Me and Mother Helen was having that conversation this morning. And we talked about the food that we love God. Talk to him about Jesus. 
it's real simple. Jesus loved Did you know Jesus loved you and he values you? As people are standing there, man, putting themselves down, tears in their eyes, thinking that the world is against them, family done turned their back, friends done turned their back, and you're there having a conversation, you're trying to pamper them, and you're there talking about what you went through and all of that, just come to it. Even though you're feeling that way, God still loves you. He still values you. He wants to help you. I'm, I'm telling you what I know because he helped me when I was down. That provokes people thinking. You know, because when Jesus hear his name invoked in this situation, I done told y'all before. He told me personally, you don't have to prove who I am to nobody. You just make sure you make a good confession that you that I, I'm who I, you say that I am to you. That's why you got to hurry up and tell them about Jesus, because that said you know Jesus. Mm-hmm. Now, you tell them about everything else, how great you are, what you done did, and, and one of the mistakes we make, and I hope y'all hear me when I make this statement, because Sharon, I know what you're going through. No, you don't. Everybody's test, trial, and tribulation is different. You don't have no idea what that person's going through. And here's another common mistake. I know exactly what you're thinking or how you feel or, you know, or some people think. No, you don't know what some people think. You know what they say and what they do. But we put ourselves in this bind sometimes by giving more than what we are required to give. Trying to do, it's like putting the cart before the horse. And the first thing that in witnessing the people ought to be talking about is Jesus saved me and I know he'll save you. If they're not already saved. A lot of times the way that fruit is appearing to you, you know, you know, you know, you, the Bible says judge the tree by the fruit it says. You got to check out what the fruit is. That'll tell you what kind of tree it is. You know, because a bad tree can't bear good fruit. Got to be pruned. It's got to be, you know, some stuff got to be dug up and cut off. And we know the word of God is able to do that. It's a powerful two-edged sword. Because the son and Jesus is the living word. So give him some Jesus first. Just tell him, you know, real, real calmly, you know, I know you got a lot on you. I feel your pain. You know, I mean, I know you're feeling pain, but God is a pain regulator. He's a pain killer. Yes. <clears throat> he can take away your pain. You can't. I can't. So we don't need to tell them. We know what the, you know. That know that the pain. Come on. We can't even begin to imagine how that situation affected them. Even if I did, I wouldn't tell them. Because they would say what's going to happen in most cases to what you recommend. I don't want them to know what I recommend because I'm recommending Jesus, but I don't want them to know anything else. I, I can tell them a lot of painkillers and medications and herbs and all that, but they ain't ready for that yet. They got to get some Jesus first. No, they got to have a dose of Jesus, you know, and then just come back and say, well, I'll tell you what. Can I just pray for you right now? Now, see, you pray the things you want to appear in their life. You pray those scriptures that you want to that you want to tell them about. You can paraphrase, and now the word of God goes out over them. It ain't coming back void. It's gonna do what God pleases in the purpose for which He's finished. We, we will wear ourselves out, man, trying to twist people on and convince people. I I remember a lot of times I wish I could cut the head off and put the Bible in there and throw it back up. You know, just, you know, speaking, you know, but I know that's impossible. But he says, and we know that all things work together for good of them that love God and to them who are called according to his purpose. And so our job is to find out and learn what is my purpose, Lord? Don't assume you know, but what is my purpose? Every day I sit here at this counter. That's the conversation I have with the Lord. Lord, am I walking in my purpose right now? Is there anything else that I'm supposed to be doing? Had a wonderful conversation with Minister Smith today. Another part of my purpose, our purpose in ministry, got revealed. I couldn't I couldn't go on and do nothing else until I dealt with it. I thought about it. I'll talk about that later. But I couldn't get away from it. I couldn't move on. I couldn't work on this teaching tonight because it just kept coming back. It just kept coming back. And here's what I heard in the spirit. Why did you ask me 
if you weren't going to shut down and listen to what I was going to say, what I'm going to reveal. And the next instruction came to me was just call Minister Smith and run it by her. Whether well, asked the question, and as soon as I did, she started crying. She said, I know that's God. I'm going to go into the details, but it was a confirmation. And I said, that's why I couldn't move on. I couldn't just go on and do what I was doing in my thing, looking up some stuff, getting ready for the night. That's how God operates. You know, that's how God, and it's and it's, it's all built around love that's uh, based on, our, on how we prove that we love God. A lot of times is what we willing to do for others. That's the sacrifice. That's the sacrifice. And God makes it so easy because he's already, often not easy, but doable, because he's already provided for you to do it. And when the test came to prove that we love others the way we love ourselves, it was just a matter of confirmation or affirmation or saying, I know that's God, you know. He lets you know if it's him. He may use someone else. He may use a passage of scripture, read or something to confirm to you that that's God. And it's all based on love. But the whole premise of what what was going on, it's based on love. It's just another outward reach of love, not just us, but the love of God through us. And it's up to us to make ourselves available to be a part of that purpose. That's part of that purpose. You know, just like he said right there, called according to his purpose. Now notice what he said, his purpose, not my purpose, our purpose, their purpose, or someone else's purpose. But God has a purpose on everybody's life. And a lot of times we do not seek to know what that purpose is. Man can't tell you what it is, even though a lot of people, false prophets out there, a lot of people, you know, Got a lot of marriages messed up. Got a lot of well-intended people messed up with all these false prophets and prophecies. When you can seek God yourself, I guarantee you, if you get off this line tonight and go into a private place, get your mind cleared up anything, and say, Lord, I want to know from you, not people, what my purpose is. What is my purpose? What do you have? What is it you call me to do? And if you do that and wait on the Lord, I'm, I'm here to, to tell you, based on my experience with God, if you are right with God, there's no sin in your life, God will reveal to you, I don't know how he's going to do it for you, because he's going to meet you where you're at, just like he met me. That purpose will be made known to you some kind of way, and when it does, it'll be like a springing forth, and you'll know that that's it. And then the next thing you have to do is say, Lord, help me to be able to walk in that purpose, because I want to please you. And he and, and, and I'm gonna tell you something. If you're not already part of a Bible teaching, Bible believing church, preaching church, you don't have to go at it by yourself. God ordained places for you to grow. He ordained people to help you to grow. And I recommend to anybody what we're doing right now because we strictly go by the Word of God. That's the quickest way, Pastor, to get you to your purpose. Pursuing your purpose is what did the word say? What what's written in the scripture? See, that's the love of God. That's the sacrifice we make because sometimes we just want to get in people's faith. We just want to hit them hard with whatever we want to tell. You're gonna die and go to hell. You're gonna bust hell wide open because you know we're trying to use a fear tactic. We're trying to use dogma. We're trying to use condemnation and all that. God did not give us a spirit of fear, but He gave us the spirit. Listen to me, of love, power, and a sound mind. And that's what we're going to produce if we do it in love. People with love, power, and a sound mind. That's what God wants to produce. That's, we produce that of our own kind. And sometimes we get mad and we do sin. We get angry and we do sin. We don't think we're sinning because I think, man, I'm the pastor. You're going to hear what I got to say. I'm the pastor. I got authority to do this. You know, and that's not God's way. He said, according, called according to his purpose. Have respect. But every breathing person, thing on this earth has a purpose assigned to it by God. And it's love sometimes that causes people to want to show God love and that purpose once they discover what it is. 
God, you love me enough to have me to do this. You could have picked anybody. I'm so undeserving of this, God. I have that conversation all the time myself. He could have picked anybody to do this. But yet he chose me. I didn't choose him. Just like he's going to choose some of you before you choose him. Some, I believe, already ordained to be on this line tonight. May have took you a long time to get here. You may have traveled a, a rough road to get here, but you're here. And you're not here by accident. You are not here tonight, Angie, just because your cousin invited you. This has always been a part of your destiny. Always. You didn't plan this. God did. You just accepted at that appointed time that I'm going to call in tonight and see what's done and dust. Same thing with your mother, Margaret. Same thing with others that are on the line. But we have to understand that our purpose resides with God. And when God feels like it's time to reveal it, everybody has that appointed time. Yours ain't going to come before mine. Mine ain't going to come. You know, God deals with all of us where we're at. And when he feels like the time is appointed, he'll let you know where you need to be, what you need to be doing. Then it's up to us to accept it. And the minute the day when you told me, send me that information, I knew that it was time for God to speak to you directly. And I don't know right now all that he's saying to you, but I know he's speaking to your heart right now through the word. You know, and you're going to have to seek him to find out exactly what that purpose is. You may have been told what it is. You may have already making some steps towards some purpose that you thought was your purpose, and that might be your purpose. But I believe tonight that there's a calling on your life being called according to your purpose. I'm not saying you call to preach or prophesy, do all of that. I'm not God, I can tell you that. But I believe that God is is, is, is revealing something to you tonight that's very special and very sacred. And so let's go a little further here before we bring it in tonight. Uh, we're going to look at another passage of scripture over in the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verse 4, the King James Bible. And uh, listen very closely to this verse now. It says, according as he, talking about God, has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, Pastor, that we should be holy and without blame. Listen to this now before him in love. Now, as nice as that sounds to the church in Ephesus who had problems, and Paul is, is reminding them of this, it wasn't the case in the way we lived our life when we came into this world and we became adults and all of that. But that was always not from the foundation of the world. That was God's plan. Thank God that we have a chance not to catch up with the potential that we were created with. I tell people all the time, we all are living chosen lifestyles. And sometimes those lifestyles are running away from our potential by choices that we make. And God is doing everything he can without putting a stranglehold on us to bring us back, to draw us back. He's, he's, he's doing things for us. He's, he's healing us when we're sick. He's doing everything he can, you know, by loving kindness to draw us back to him. And he said, for those of you who know me, you look my name up because I'll draw all of them. I'll draw them by loving kindness. Why? That's how I drew you. See, love is always going to be the, the, the hook that God's going to use to draw us back. By loving kindness. Have I drawn deep? How I'm going to draw somebody else that's apart from me. What did he join us back to, Pastor? God created Every man, woman, life on this earth, he created them with potential yet to be discovered as we grow and as we reproduce and as we uh, mature in the things of God. The potential to be who God created us to be. Someone in his image and his life. Men were created to lead. They were created to protect. They were created to provide. They were created to teach. They were created to cultivate. You know, as they reproduce and repent this earth after its own kind. And then he gave him, out of him, a woman to help him to be complete and fulfill 
is God's given purpose and destiny from creation. And then he said, hey, you need the woman to help you to be the man that I created you to be. And he told us how to do that, Pastor Sharon. You leave your mother, your father, and you go and find your wife, and you find a wife, you find a good thing, and you no longer become twain, now you become one. And then he says, I put the potential in you to have everything I created you to have. God, that sovereign creator out of love, has given to all of his creation that inalienable right to pursue happiness, life, and liberty, and find everything that pertains to life and godliness and what God has created on this earth for man. <clears throat> for man, he created for man, his prized creation, to enjoy it. Everything that pertains to life and godliness. That's the potential we have. So to be everything he created us to be, to have everything he created us to have, and here's the one that I love. Here's the crown jewel to be able to do everything he created us to do. Starting with loving God with all of our heart, our mind, our soul. Just like Paul told them. You know? Just like he told them. You know, in the book of not Paul, but up in the book of Matthew. Just like Matthew told them when he wrote that in the book of Matthew, chapter twenty two, verse thirty seventeen, ten That's the potential now that came from the foundation of the world all the way down to creation. And it's the same today. God hasn't changed. But we still have lifestyle. Some of us have started one lifestyle. We didn't like that. We tried another one. We tried another one. Multiple lifestyle. And it's like it's running away from, from the love of God. It's running away from who we're supposed to be, what we're supposed to be doing, what we're supposed to have. And it's like my potential is running behind my lifestyle saying, wait, wait, wait. I'm supposed to be I'm supposed to be in your life. I'm to, you, you, you know, you're running away from, from who you're supposed to be. And my prayer has always been when God dropped this revelation on me some years ago. Is Lord, what happened in my life? He said, your lifestyle ran faster than your, he said, your potential when you got saved ran faster than your lifestyle and overran it. And you began to have your lifestyle now walking after your potential. So my lifestyle now is walking after my potential. It cannot get in front of me again. Why? Because I don't, I'm forgetting everything behind me. I'm not looking back putting my hand to the plow in that old lifestyle. So if it's going to do anything, it's going to be behind me. And I'm forgetting. If you want to be back there, see, because you have to be careful. Anything Satan's going to use is going to come from that old lifestyle. That's why you got to try to forget it. got to renew your mind in something different. So you can forget those things that are behind you. And as Paul said, press and reach and strive for those things that are before you. In love, this is how we prove to God we love Him, because we're doing what He created us to do. That's the proof that we're born of God and we know God. And it was like this from the foundation of the world before we were ever born. You know, according to as He has chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. If we're doing it in love. We're not pointing fingers and blaming nobody when we miss tomorrow. We're just saying, God, forgive me. Stay in the race. You know, repent quickly because he loves us. He said, I'm faithful and just to forgive you. Why? You know, love causes a multitude of those faults. Been like that from the foundation of the world. We just have not come into that knowledge before now. So are other people. They're searching for it. They don't know what they're looking for. But some of us hold the answer for them. Simply telling them, Look, God loves you just as much as he loved me. He has no respect to person. He loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son. So let's go a little further here before we close. It's just about there. Over in the book of Second Thessalonians, chapter 3, verse 5 of the King James Bible. Um, and Paul is, again, Paul is writing to another church. It's amazing how Paul now after he done been touched by the love of God and changed by the love of God and called by the love of God and walking in his purpose now, he has so much love for God that Paul is going back in these churches, Pastor Sharon, where he persecuted them. Mm. I had some of them persecuted. That wasn't no love. 
before Paul met Jesus and was touched by Jesus and chained by Jesus and filled with the Holy Ghost by Jesus, you know, Paul was a terror on people. He wasn't showing no love. He showed more love for Caesar. But now, see, he done experienced the love of God, and he's like, he's trying to make up for it. You know? And so he's going to these different churches where he had already persecuted people, man, and, and had people put in prison, had people killed and executed for <clears throat> talking about Jesus Christ. Now here he is talking about Jesus Christ. Love of God shed abroad his heart by the Holy Ghost. He wrote that. And look at what he said to this church in Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians. He said, and the Lord, now this is Paul, the Lord, listen, direct your heart into the love of God. That's a powerful statement, Christian. That means you can't direct your heart nowhere. That's why he said he gives us the Holy Ghost, so he can shed love abroad in our heart himself. We can't do it. We can't just make ourselves love anybody. We got to have help. And God has given us his Holy Spirit, which is where the fruit of the Spirit comes from. He manifests them as the need arises. He's in us. Great is he that's in us. You know, love is the Bible talks about it in the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 13, verse 13, the Bible talks about that love is greater. He's not by the faith open up. It abides in our heart with the Holy Ghost to spring forth and come up when it's needed. But a lot of times we, we think we got to do it. We got to make it happen. We have to consult with the Spirit of God in us. And he'll let us know when it's peaceful, when it's okay, you know. I used to tell people, they say, how you know? Let me tell you how I know it's God, what I'm getting ready to do or say. I have peace of mind about it. You know, when you when you heavy about it, you ain't 100% sure, don't do it. Don't do it. If, you, if you're not sure, don't do it, because that ain't God. God is always sure. And anytime I get that peace of mind about it, that's God. Now that's my relationship with God. That's how I know it's God. Give me that peace of mind so I can think for a minute. And while I'm thinking, a lot of times the script of confirmation will come. Or I might be prompted to make a phone call and get confirmation. It's just that peace of mind keeps me stable sometimes in my thinking so that my thoughts ain't all over the place. Ain't double mind. I mean, I got one focus. Lord, I just need to know if this is this is you, God, let me know. Sometimes I say, Lord, give me a sign. And a sign shows up. Or, you know, God, give me something to do to prove that that was him. And you got to build your own own relationship now so you will know. Uh, and if he didn't do it for me, I know he'll do it for you because he loves you too. He don't just love me. He loves all his children. And he says, he says, and the Lord direct your heart into the love of God and into the patient waiting for Christ. This guy's talking about that. The guy just got to wait on the Lord. The Bible says they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That's over in the book of, uh, I think that's in the book of uh, Proverbs chapter 40, verse 31. If I'm not mistaken. King James Bible. You know? And so it, the scripture works. We just have to work the scripture. And it all works by love, without compromise. You know, book of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. Speaking the word of God and love without compromise. That's what Paul said too. Book of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, King James Bible. Let's go on down here to the book of Jude. Another situation where Jude is kind of like Brother Jesus. Now, Jude took Jude a long, Jude had a lifestyle that he didn't want to have nothing to do with what those folks were doing in the name of Jesus. But he was going over. He loved a win you over. Love a win the hardest heart over. When people realize that they're without love, it doesn't take long when they realize that for love to show up and have an impact. A lot of people are moving so fast. They love what they're doing. They love to sin. They love to cover. They love to hide. They love to do all these things, man, to get that little temporary pleasure. But once that's over, they got to face themselves and a lot of time guilt. 
and they say they won't change. They're sick and tired of being sick and tired. A lot of that's happening now more and more. And people just don't know what to do because they're afraid to turn to the church because they ain't got no money to be able to, you know, afford the church. Because church ain't giving them love. Church is giving them an envelope telling them, you know, throw a thousand dollars over here, give me this, give me that. And they're like, I can't go there because I don't have it to give. Used to be a time they went there to get a little handout. Now they got to go there to give somebody and, you know, and the church, you know what I'm saying? Mega churches begging folks for money. You go figure. And the people are begging the church for love, but the church begging them for money. Just thought I'd throw that out there. But listen to what Jude said here, who was confused too. He said, keep yourself in the love of God. Whoever get in there, you better keep yourself in the love of God. He knows what happens in those churches. God knows what happens in those churches. I'll say this, and this is me talking about being here, rob you blind. You won't be able to see your way out of nothing. And it's sad. Where's the love? Where is the love? They want you to love their the love your church. <laughs>